welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode 150. I may sound far away, because I am far away. I'm in Canada, and more, more sort of, I'll give you more of an idea where I am. I'm in Banff National Park, which is, uh, we flew into Vancouver, we went across to Calgary, which is a great city, that was my last podcast, and then we went up to Jasper, Lake Louise, and now I'm at the Creme de la Creme which is the um, Fairmont Banff Springs, which is pretty much the castle on the hill um, overlooking the lake and the mountains beyond. I've been searching for a chef while I'm in Canada and I've had some close calls and then for some reason I just kept waiting until I got to Banff and I found the chef last night. Thanks to, um, I'll do a shout out here to Claire in marketing for and PR for Fairmont. She gave me this gentleman's story and I thought, okay, this is somebody we want to talk to because he is Canadian. He also is very familiar with the Fairmont brand. My stories at the moment are four Fairmonts I've been reviewing. So let's get started with executive chef Atticus Garand. Hello. Uh, hello, how are you? Good, my friend. Yeah. I had some close calls with chefs and they were Latino and they were like English. And then I thought, it's a bit like the wine. It's like, I want to drink Canadian wine. Yeah, there I you want go. to talk to a Canadian chef. There you so, go. Yeah. Atticus Garand sounds exotic. <laughs> it sounds like you're from Europe, really. Bit of, bit of cultural mix there, yeah, for well, sure. Tell me about, um, for, for those out there that don't know the French Canadian connection or how big your country is, second biggest country in the world, yep. can you just paint a bit of a Canadian picture for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the majority of our population is within the, you know, within 100 miles from the border, right? The majority of us all live south, but uh, I mean, we stretch all the way from, from the north, Antarctica, all the way down to, well, the border of the United States and Canada. East to west, both seas, uh, I mean, it's, it's as wide as the US is, plus plus. It's as taller, if not taller than the US, and I think part, uh, part of Mexico as well. It's about the same, same but size. But population-wise, we're talking, how, like how many people? Less than California. So we're like 32, Why? 30, 34 million. So California is 36. So correlation with Australia and Canada. Yeah, that's. We often, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of land. Yeah, yeah tons of land. Um, not so many people, which is great. Uh, you know, the next town over is a bit of a drive, and you have a little bit more room to stretch your, stretch your legs and stretch your arms. And uh, you know, it's nice. It, 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 some of our cities in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, they do feel a little tight um, as they are, but for the most part, it's it's well spread out. Yeah, right. And so where did you grow up? Yeah, great question. So I was born in Whitehorse, uh, which is in the Yukon, um, which is right next door to Alaska. So far up in, in the great white north there, yeah. And lots of questions often if we grew up in igloos. No, we didn't. <laughs> we, we grew up in a home. Was it cold though? Yeah, extremely cold. Yeah, minus 60, 65 degrees Celsius wow, in the winter. So what would yeah. you get up to as a young boy? What would, not, yeah, no, I mean outdoors and, and things like that. I was quite young. We moved to the interior of British Columbia, which is uh, our province on the west coast, right next to the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in the interior. Uh, again, lots of outdoors. Full four, uh, four full seasons. Really cold in the winter. Beautiful summers. Mm -hmm. Trees and lakes. And then uh, when I was about six, seven years old, we moved to Vancouver, mm -hmm. British Columbia, and, and started uh, my schooling there and gradually worked into the industry. So what do you think it is um, that made you become a chef? Because usually, and I said this to you before, I don't think there's, not, I've had plenty of chefs on this podcast, and not one of them hasn't drawn a correlation from when they're a little person sure. and what they're inspired by. So what is it for you? Yeah, well, uh, I think since I was able to eat, I've always had this huge appetite. Um, and as I, you know, you look back at it, I didn't really know how this came about. And uh, my father, world traveler, uh, would always come home with stories and 
you know, interesting tales of what he ate. Um, yeah, and so it probably started there. If I was to make a direct correlation, it was just in awe of how interesting my dad's palate was. You know, it wasn't the North American diet. It was not ethnic and diverse. Not everybody has yeah. a dad that does that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that was beneficial. And then as I got older, um, you know, I had these fond memories of, of going to my grandmother's house and uh, my, my father's side's French Canadian. And I remember going in as a kid and grandma would always have this meat pie in her fridge. Uh, you know, years later, I, I learned that that was tortiere, right? Which is Canadian, Quebec, or classic Canadian, Quebecois uh, item. And so I would be eating tortiere out of the fridge with like Heinz ketchup, which probably, which probably made grandma like, super pissed. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But, but I loved it. And so, but you also, you probably love that you knew she made it. Yeah, exactly. She made it. She always had all these goodies. And then, you know, as I, as I got into culinary school, I learned that my grandmother actually used to teach French-Canadian culinary school really? back in the 70s. So. And is that as precise as like Le Cordon Bleu, like the French school? Is French Canadian similar in that sense of, of, of cooking and really learning the finer skills of chefing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think she was more along the lines of teaching that um, that maybe side of the schooling where uh, the school that she was teaching was probably North American, you yeah. know, cuisine in general yeah. uh, with French roots. But her being... That's a mix, isn't it? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to get my head around um, having been here for a week. American food and Canadian food. Yeah. Like, so I'm trying to get my head around that, right? So I, I know that you have like things like L pie and, and, yeah. and mousse and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just still seeing like, is there a grande sort of chip effect? Is there, you know, is it fried? Like, I'm so interested on your take on what Canadian food is. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's another really interesting question. I, I think if you were to really boil down Canadian food, it's probably that cabin food, right? Oh, that's a good you know, is that what you learned at the culinary school? Like, no, no, no definitely not. Like we would learn classical French technique, yes. and then apply it to you know stews and gravies and braises and, and yeah and, and exactly and, and cold food. But um, you definitely learn the, the classic French technique in, in schooling. Canadian food, I would say, the roots of Canadian food are are um, you know respect to the indigenous you know side yes, of things here in Canada. Yeah. But then really that that cabin food, the, the potted meat warmed up over the wood stove. Yeah. That's, if I close my eyes and think, thought about Canadian food, it'd be that and poutine. And I think it would be a you know, so, okay. healthy intersection. For those intersection. out there that don't know what poutine is, <laughs> it because my son was trying to tell me the yeah. other day and he didn't sell it very well, so yeah. please tell me what it is. Well, um, <laughs> it, it, it traditionally is uh, French fries, yep. um, uh, beef gravy, yep. and a fresh cheese curd. You'd fry the fries and you'd put the cheese curd on and you'd ladle the gravy over top and you'd have this just beautiful marriage of the best things in the world, uh, depending on where you're from. And, I haven't uh, had it since I'm here. I have to have it before yeah, I leave. I, have you yes. done a twist on a Putin though? I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of twists out there. Okay, the, yeah. the, the, true, the, true, the true Canadian poutine comes from Quebec. Uh, okay, and, okay. and really, if you're, you're going to have the experience, it's from a chef from that area that's yeah. come over to the West or you know, in, in Midwest or, or whatever it is. But um, yeah, my, I, as, a, as a young kid, uh, my, my grandmother lived in Ontario, uh, close to the uh, Ontario-Quebec border. And so uh, we had all these chip wagons, and they're, you know, it's Lake Country, so uh, incredible, right? Uh, <laughs> bring back the chip wagons. Yeah, bring back the, these chip wagons didn't even have tires, oh, so wow. they were just, you know, old buses decommissioned on the side of a road, and they would line up banks of deep fryers, and the way. Dude, that's better than a kebab at two a.m. 
Uh, Man, kebabs at 2 a.m. Are, are pretty yeah, fantastic. Like yeah, chip trucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it, I think classic classic poutine would be single fried fries. Yeah. So just a raw raw fry, maybe rinsed uh, rinse some of the starch off, but yeah. fried so they're really brown. Oh, nice and fried. Not very crispy, but soak up. Yep. Right, and and fresh cheese curd from the local creamery or whatever it was. And, yeah. So local is important, right, to Canadians. Like, have you mentioned Indigenous and? I mean, Indigenous people and the history, which I pay homage to yeah. at all times. But there's also native ingredients that the Indigenous people can, can teach us about. But is that yeah. something that's important to you and was taught to you as a Canadian? Or what happens with history? I would say to, to some small extent, but, but not as much as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're in this beautiful time now where we're so much more aware mm-hmm. and, and are hungry for yeah and are hungry for this knowledge and I, I believe that that's a big part of Canadian cuisine that we're going to see continue to expand. So similar, really similar to Australia. Yeah. Like there's just take take our take our setting right now. We're incredible. We're looking out at uh, Rundle Mountain. There's trees, there's snow, yeah. but out there there's hundreds of thousands of ingredients yeah. that people know about just not us yet, yeah, right? Yeah, right. So but in these those these conditions we're coming out of winter. Yep. Well, <laughs> don't I don't know yet. Well, I've yeah, heard that it, I heard that it could could have another snap. Sounds like Melbourne. Yeah. Like it. Um, uh, so it's harsh conditions, but I love this. It's fresh mm. and beautiful. But what would you be eating from snow-capped mountains at the moment? Like, yeah, well, that's a challenge, isn't it? Well, as as you go on these tours and you learn more about again what's indigenous, the terroir of our area. Yeah. You know, there's things right, like man, I love terroir. There, there's things. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? <laughs> it's not just wine anymore. No, no, um, that's right. But bark, for example. Yeah. There's healing, you know, healing attributes in bark, but there's also used uh, as teas and, and, and ailments and things like that. So uh, I'm not going to say that that's the only thing you could find out there right yeah. now, but yeah. but bark is an incredible thing that we don't so, think so about. So who teaches you? How do you know? Well, that's the thing is we, we need we need better resources of who to find out from yeah. and who to learn from. But we went with a uh, with a uh, with a tour guide who is uh, family is. You know, dates back um, quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, many generations. Yeah. And you know, they're from the land here, and they, they took us on a, this incredible walk. And we went and learned more about rose hip and about barks, and you know how certain trees talk to each other and actually create this incredible. Uh, I mean, this incredible power. Ecosystem. Yeah, an ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. um, and so you know, we just we just learned about all these little things and we're only a few months weeks away from just all the little shoots and tips and yeah, stuff starting, starting to so we've jumped i've jumped you right yeah no please Springs, but i missed this bit in vancouver yeah so most chefs i speak to they do their training they go and work in all over the world yep um, and then they usually come back home with a whole lot of knowledge yep. what was it for you what did you do yeah great so i uh my my hobby is cooking and fishing uh, so out of culinary school uh, well pre-culinary school I got involved with my first uh, fine dining restaurant and, and I was hooked that was it um, yeah yeah right away well I had been cooking that's all I've done I've, I started cooking when I was 14 15 and I've never not cooked so up until that point it was you know uh, more mom-and-pop diners and, and you know a chain restaurant here or there and, and, and small stuff like that and then uh, going into culinary school I did my call at a fine dining restaurant in Vancouver. It was called Five Sales at the time. And the chef Ernst Dorfler, this incredible man who was so technical and, and yeah, it was <clears throat> it was awakening uh, to to see oh it's you know not just burgers and fries it's uh, yeah. you know incredible incredible cuisine that takes a ton of time and. 
peeled vegetable. So for it becomes a, a craft. It's your, it's your art. Yeah. yeah when, it, when I look at fine dining, I, I look at you guys like sculptors. Because, you, you know, fine dining is seriously like not just the cooking and the foraging, the cooking, it's the presentation. Yeah. It's the finesse. Yeah. That's like a painting. Yeah, very much so. And, and as a young cook, you don't, you don't see the painting yet. You know, no, you, have, you have no right. idea how, how the artist yeah. even, you're just face down, watching yeah. and learning and yeah. pushing it's as hard as you can. It's a hardcore environment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I peeled baby vegetables for my first three months yeah. as Comey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got all the salt ready on the stations for the chefs and made sure all the lemon wedges were done. You know, all that kind of stuff was, was ready uh, for uh, service. Uh, oh, little visitor. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was after that that it really had uh, sunk my teeth in, and it was um, it was time to time to really push. And uh, following culinary school, I got um, had an amazing opportunity to join DB Bistro, Danielle Balud. Yeah. Um, they they moved to Vancouver and they opened up a restaurant in Vancouver, and was on that opening team with the. A, a star-studded lineup of incredible cooks and chefs, and uh, a lot of those, a lot of those chefs are still close, close friends today. Uh, and they're was, all... it, was it a big like rock star back then as well? Danielle. Yeah. Oh. Was it kind of like rock stars? Yeah. <laughs> when it, are we, what year are we talking? That would have been 2008. Uh, 2008. Right. We've got a tour going on at the moment. Yeah. That's okay. We've got background hotel noise, which is like, which brings me into my next segue. Yeah, perfect. You've been in hotels for a long time. So we were talking about like really independent restaurants per se in yep. Vancouver, funky stuff, really raising the bar. Yep. It takes a certain person to go into a hotel. Sure. I mean, that's an executive chef role. I look at this place and it is like, I don't know, 700 and something rooms. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, 11 eateries yep, and that's bars. Right. I got all that right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. this place, like, I've been to a lot of hotels. This is overwhelming in a good way when I first arrived. In the best way. But then, dude, are you in charge of all this? That's correct. You're not, right? That's correct. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so there's a few steps before you get to here. Yeah. So you go to, you, you must have loved the Fairmont brand, which is a Canadian brand per se or American yep. in San Francisco. So CP, CP Rail, CP Hotels was the original the fr original Fairmont and it, and it grew from that. But I like that. Can we I'll just stop you there with the CP Rail? Yeah. Now that was. Like they owned the railway, yeah, right? They still and, do, and, yeah. they, and they, they still do. But they saw a need for where they were transporting to have hotels because it's yep. really like rugged conditions. Is that the background from the CP? It's essentially, if you were to boil it down to that, yeah, it was. There's a rail coming through this area. This makes sense. Here we but are. These guys must have been full-blown entrepreneurs in their oh, head. Oh, for sure. Like, they, like for going from trades into like tourism and, and hotels, like there's a big leap there. Yeah. You know, like well, transporting and tourism. Think about trying to do that today. What a moon launch that would be to you know, strategize something like that. So yeah, and were they from the US? Uh, I don't, I don't know 100% on that. I'd right. have to, I'd have to get Claire or somebody to do the fact check. I, 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 I met someone the other day that knows that. I know that it was Canadian, but the Fairmont brand started in. Um, San Francisco. That's correct, yeah. Okay, did you work there? Not at that property, no. I did work in California. Yeah. Um, so just, just really quick, so I, following DB Bistro, I got involved at a fly-in, fly-out fishing resort oh, yeah. in the Queen Charlotte Islands. <laughs> so up in almost Alaska again, here I come wow. almost full circle, uh, and because I love to fish, this was a perfect fit. So two summers, um, 140 days out on the water, floating resort, 32 mm -hmm. guests at a time, fly Cold? Yeah, for yeah, sure. I mean, it's yeah, in the, yeah, yeah, it's in the middle yeah. of the ocean. Um, so at the very northern tip of, Langa or of Graham Island, it's a little island called Langara, and we were tied down uh, 140 days. Guests would fly in on planes, 
and that was my first time getting this uh, introduction to uh, like what a resort is, right, or what a hotel is. You had a tourism. You were bitten by the tourism bug. Boom. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> I, I got bitten by that 30 years ago. Yeah. 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 So I did this for two summers. Loved it. Um, the same company uh, needed my assistance down in the Bahamas. So yeah. after after Queen okay. Charlotte's, I went straight sure, to the Bahamas. I'm going. Yeah. Well, I was down there for for just under half a year and uh, worked on this small little um, island called Long Island mm -hmm. and uh, honeymooners resort, 125 guests at a time. But this led up, and then coming back to Vancouver, um, the chef David Wong, he was a, a, a student or a graduate from my uh, my culinary school as well, a few years before me. But he was the exact chef taking over at the or opening the Fairmont the Pacific Rim right. in Vancouver. So got on the horn with him and said, Hey, I'm coming back to town. Is there any jobs? Any, any anything you need? And, and it was it was right in. Because everything else would have sort of seemed a little bit too little in a way. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. I always, I always assumed that hotels were, were like, yeah, I get a job at a hotel and you go sit in the corner yeah. and peel a thousand tomatoes. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, that just didn't that yeah. appeal to me as an independent yeah. cook, right? Yeah. Um, but there's so, something about the mass and people coming and going that you really liked. Well, and yeah, what I learned now and look back at it is that it was the opportunity to have a greater audience, yeah. right? It wasn't, it, you know, as, yeah. as you grow and be, you grow into leadership and you, yeah. you want to show somebody, let's say, how to make bacon mm -hmm. or how to make a, you know, a terrine or how to yeah. cook vegetables properly. Instead of just showing one cook or two cooks, yeah. now I could take the whole Garmanger team, which is probably 14 cooks in there right now, yeah. and show them how so to do how it. So how many, how many, um, sorry, before, no, keep going before you get to Bangkok, where did you go? So you went to Fairmont in so, the US? So I was five years at the Pacific Rim, and yeah. I worked my way up to executive sous chef, yeah. um, met my now wife. Oh, nice. uh, she was in hospitality too? Yeah, she was actually the director of banquets when I was the banquet chef Excellent. at Pacific Makes Rim. Excellent, yeah. And uh, yeah. Same hit. times? Uh, same time zone? <laughs> yeah, same time zone, it made sense. And so we, um, she was from Chicago, and uh, the Chicago proper needed help, and so we moved back to Chicago and spent uh, just under two and a half years there. I'd love. I haven't been to Chicago. I'd really like to go. Yeah, it's an incredible city. Yeah. It's it's, it's got it, a vibe, right? You know, it, there's there's great foods. There's great food scenes in many cities in the states, but Chicago just yeah. it, it sunk its hooks yeah. into us, and um, I love it. There's such talented chefs there, as there is all over North America, but. The hospitality, the Midwest hospitality, they, they talk a lot about it. It felt like I was back in Canada and, yeah, nice. you know, I uh, really enjoyed that piece. So I uh, worked, worked there for, for that time and then um, Fairmont Austin was opening up. And it was a, so I had gotten a taste for what an opening was at the Pacific yeah, Rim yeah. and uh, heard that Fairmont Austin was opening up and had to be a part of that opening team. So, uh, yep, got the job. I was the exec executive sous chef overseeing all of the restaurants. We had seven restaurants there. Um, and was there for almost uh, yeah two and a half years again, yep. and had a had a stellar stellar time there. And, and then you're thinking it's time for me to go back to Canada. No, I, I ah. well we were thinking about it, and then um, you know at that point in time I had been exec sous for coming on six years, yep. six and a half years, uh, and you know I really believed in that um, that long road approach. Yep. Learn all you can so that when you go to take the job. Um, they're not telling you where to go. You're, or they're asking you where you want to go, yeah, right? Yeah. And so it, it came down to that, and there yeah. was a bunch of exec chef positions on the table, and and uh, I said, well, I, I want to be the executive chef at the Fairmont Century Plaza in LA. 
And so this was a brand new build, hadn't opened yet, got the job and moved uh, my, my wife and I to Los Angeles. And, uh, and then all the good things happened there. We, we got married, well, we went through COVID, which was not extremely tough, but we got married, we, we had a child oh, and, and opened the Century Plaza. Wow. And actually we did all those three things within 11 days. Oh, wow, yeah. that's a lot, dude. It didn't, it, it wasn't spoken, <laughs> I mean, it didn't. I hear uh, these stories so long. Yeah. Eight. Hello, we're not in charge. The universe is in charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just said, hey, let's let's dump this on you in 11 days. And so, now you can look back fondly at that. Yeah, it's a great, it's, it's a lot of, an, it's a lot of anniversaries though now in a row, yeah, right? Nice. Yeah, I yeah. like that. So, uh, and then uh, three years in LA and um, it was just time to move home and uh, looking for, for options and the castle. So I guess this is the thing about the Accor um, brand as well. I mean, Fairmont's, uh, you know, very much US Canadian um, mm -hmm. roots. Yep. But I work with Accor in Australia, so I know that yep. brand. But Accor owns, now owns the Fairmont and has kept it as, a, as the Fairmont. You know, we're sitting yep. inside what it looks like a castle on a hill. It's got great history. It's really beautiful, you know. It's mm -hmm. like an incredible building here. So now it's owned by Accor. I mean, that just opens up a plethora of other hotels around the world. Yeah, it's like amazing. 5,000, 5, yeah. But for you, uh, choosing Fairmont as your brand, who you want to align with, um, what, is it, what does it mean to you to arrive in Banff? Have you arrived home? What does it feel like? Yeah, yeah, crossing the border and just getting back into Canada alone was was a was a huge piece of it. Yeah, seven years is a long time to be away from yeah, your culture. What you know, right? And yeah. and uh, we made a lot of great friends and a lot of people left a left a huge impact on us as as humans and um, we'll be forever grateful for that time. But yeah. just getting the opportunity, we, we actually flew in for my interviews here uh, in March of last year. Wow. Um, I want to say it was March 14th. Of you had been to Banff before? Never in my life. Wow, this is And well, I feel like a terrible enough. Canadian. No, no, uh, well, yes, you're more terrible. <laughs> but I had never seen this before. And you, I mean, you know what my husband described as yesterday? We were driving from Jasper back and reverse. He said it's like driving into a screensaver. Oh. Like, that's exactly what it feels like. And then as we were driving back, because I was getting along yeah. I'm like, man, can we change the screensaver? Like, because it's just so beautiful and endless and vast. It's intense. It doesn't stop. It does not stop. Yeah. We you, we we landed in Calgary as you did. Yeah. I like Calgary. Yeah. It's yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, there's some food scene going on there. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Barbarella. Yeah. Uh, Major Tom. Yeah. I've yeah. dug a little deep on some food scene. But there. There's some great stuff yeah, happening. Great. And, yeah. And there has been, and it's been brewing. You know, yeah. I even remember back not, when I was not not out there flashing it around. Just no. Just we got like great food. Subtle, but yeah. Come and come and spend time with us. Yeah. But we we. We drove, you know, it's quite flat as you come through uh, Cochrane there, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the Rockies feel like they're so far away. Yeah, but then all of a sudden like, you're there, <laughs> and they're just like, here's the wall. They, but they, they're always in every viewpoint. We're sitting here. Yeah. there's the Rockies. There's the Rockies. So we we've been here now for uh, we moved here yeah just in in May last Are you year. In Banff? Yeah, yeah, we live here in Banff. And uh, funny enough, I mean, we stare at these mountains every day. Called my mom yesterday because I just wanted to tell her how beautiful it was. I'm just looking at the same mountain well, I've looked at, yeah. right? But it's every, and so I guess yeah. with that, you found this castle on the hill. Mm -hmm. You've got how many how many staff underneath you? So well, right now we're ramping up for summer season. So uh, shortly we'll be about 150 cooks plus 28 leaders. So 175 culinarians wow. and uh, just under 100 stewarding team members. Wow, so which would include sommeliers as well. Uh, no, just the stewarding, like the team that takes care of all of our public areas or our oh, back right. of house areas. Oh, excuse oh, me. Wow. This that, is you know, clean all our floors oh, and do all our dishes. On the dance floor. 
Yeah, it's big. And have you got that? We had a problem in Australia, and I think you've got it as well, where there was a staff shortage um, yeah. post that pandemic, pesky pandemic. Yeah. How are you, okay, well, here's a good question for you. Um, how do you find and retain mm-hmm. and educate chefs that are coming through? What's your philosophy on that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's changed so much in just three years, yeah. right? Um, in, in amount of applications are down, uh, as they probably are going to continue to be, and they have been for these three years. Um, we have an incredible team that helps us with this. So uh, we have a we have a kitchen manager who's just solely in charge of hiring. Yeah. That's all she does. She does recruitment. I mean, it's a pretty. I mean, this would be a lucrative spot to be though. People would be wanting to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's one of two people. People like being remote and being yeah. out there, and other people don't. So it's. You know, it is a challenge, but you know, I think the the big challenge that everyone says is finding skilled people, and uh, we're taking a different philosophy, right? Our our two focuses here on property is people and food, and that's it. And with the people side, our our duty as chefs is to build, right? To create succession development and, and growth. So, you know. Years ago, it used to be, well, you hire for talent. Now it's you hire for heart, and, and you hire to find, Absolutely. right? Like, yeah, you, well, that's where you're going to get your um, commitment, your sustainability, you yep. know, not just like flying through all the time to the next best thing. Yep. So we've actually opened up um, our like cross-departmental um, transfers. So uh, some of our great success stories are, are, are people who come in as a, as a dishwasher. Yeah. And they work as three months as a dishwasher and they come in and now they're working in the butcher shop or they're working in the garmage kitchen or on the line somewhere so these are you know we, we have to we have to continue to stay um, people focused and, and, and development and I love that you know it's my podcast is people to place yeah You've just there said you people go to people food. to food yeah now, you have to go you get a lot going on man but um, let's talk about food what food sure. do you like Atticus? Yeah, it's a loaded question. Or what do you like to cook? Yeah. In, in um, this, like, let's bring it back to, to, to here. Sure. What do you like to do here? So that's, that was the greatest, the greatest excitement about this, this operation is you, you, you read it, oh, 11 kitchens, 11 restaurants. Um, but you don't understand how big of a sandbox that is for a chef. Oh, right? Wow. Like I have, I have, the, I have the biggest sandbox I've ever had in my entire career. Right. You know, I, I want to go dabble in Italian food today. I, yeah. Just gonna go down and work with Chef Matthew a little bit and, and create dishes. I want to go and work on a global, you know, tiny little. So you're still on the tools. Absolutely, yeah, wow. absolutely have to be. I, I would prefer to be on the tools than the keyboard. That's for sure. Yeah, right. Um, okay. But so but, do you make it your thing? Just I guess once every day. Do you go to a different one? Yeah, and and we, I'd like to say it's every day. Um, uh, heavily involved with many development and, and menus. I, you know, I believe in this. You know, trust and inspire, right? I want the chefs to take it and create what they want to do, but also know that we're going to have this discussion on how to take it from good to great. And that's yeah. so. So for the Italian, for example, because you've got a yeah. really big name in that. Yeah, Just talk to me about the Italian, who the chef is, and how you um, oversee that. Yeah. So his his name is Mathieu Le Chapelle, and he's been here at the property for a number of years, and he's come through the ranks, and he uh, was promoted to chef de cuisine. Um, just uh, around summertime last year, towards the end of summer, uh, and, and and he's incredible. He's he's um, passionate and dedicated, and uh, you know uh, Italian food was maybe a little bit more unfamiliar to him, uh, but it's actually been a great 
a great challenge, a great obstacle, because mm. it's forcing him to get out there and learn and read and eat. And, is it and, fresh? You make fresh pasta? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, currently, right now, we're doing a lot of uh, like semolina-based extruded pastas. Nice. Um, but but all of the sauces and stews and everything are all made here. Uh, and you know, our big focus now is in all of our venues and menus is how to make plant-based more accessible, right? We're watching food trends change so quickly, and so Matthew and I were just actually talking earlier today about, you know, just an artichoke dish and just coming through just an incredible, an right? And oh, so you don't good. need to dress it up, you just need to make sure it's got delicious Italian olive oil and maybe some fried capers and just oh, really, nice. really stellar artichokes. So, um, you know, it's, it's giving Matthew a soundboard to be able to, uh, you know, bounce ideas off of and yeah. challenge him a little bit, but uh, but also trust that he's going to do a great thing because he's a great and, cook. And, and so you've got you've got your Italian. Mm -hmm. Speak me through, talk me through your other. You've got your charcuterie. Yeah, so we're sitting, <laughs> we're sitting, yeah, we're sitting in grapes. Uh, grapes uh, historically was the wine and cheese bar. Um, I got here and I said, boy, I've been in this restaurant in San Sebastian and in Spain. It has a little Spanish. Now you talk my language. Right? has a little Spanish vibe to it. Absolutely. And so, uh, and so in November last year, we, we changed uh, it completely around. Um, the majority of our cheeses are either incredible Quebecois cheeses or they're from Basque country. So it's uh, Pyrenees, Basque uh, region. Um, and then the majority my of our... My name is like Kylie Basque yeah, <laughs> like right. Literally See right there, fast heart. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why we were meeting. In yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was it was destined. It leads itself, uh, doesn't it? Kismet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then we uh, uh, we we added an Iberico program. Yeah. So we added we have four different varieties of Iberico, um, a lot of Iberico chorizo and different salamis, mm -hmm. um, and trying to just trying to just simplify it. You know, less less uh, compotes and things like that and just doing you know great olive oil and beautiful queen spanish olives exactly yeah. and then we removed all the all the other um, savory courses and re dishes and replaced it with tapas yeah, so we have uh, eight tapas we're looking to grow that probably by another four to six dishes so you've got your italian you've got your spanish mm -hmm. Keep going. yeah so french brasserie <laughs> vermilion yeah, yeah. Uh, 1888 is our is our chop house, our steakhouse, but definitely uh, leading further into a modern contemporary chop house, yeah. uh, more composed. Still have some great protein. A la carte. I feel like that's kind of got your signature on it. That one. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's it, your training. It's gonna be yeah. it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be great. I mean, it, it is great right now, but it's gonna be like silver to gold. Yeah, you know, right. we, yeah. we want to get there. So <clears throat> we have that. We have the grab and go cafe, which uh, we're working that into maybe a little bit more of a Mediterranean plant-based uh, uh, offering but it's thousand covers a day in the summer like wow. it, it is it, it's cruising uh, and then just below us here we have the Rundle bar Rundle's our, our main hotel bar the main bar of the resort um, and it's uh, very you know smaller plates shareables and during lunchtime we have well, handhelds like sandwiches and soup and stuff but um, it's more globally inspired a little bit of Asian flair a little bit of Indian flair a little bit of Mediterranean uh, but just in our own, in our own way, you know. Yeah. Not, I wouldn't say fusion by any way, but no. taking yuzu and putting that into a dish and Beautiful. making that, yeah. you know. And then down the hill we have. Uh, okay, this is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, the Walt House. No, no, this is really bad. That it's my favorite because I haven't been to the Italian, but I'm going mm. tonight, so Excellent. I have to put a, uh, a, a new favorite. On the yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, I just want I'm telling Claire this, this morning about this. So we're coming from Jasper dropped our son off at he works at Lake Louise. That's right. On, um, and then we came in here kind of late last night and 
you know, after a long drive, we just wanted to go to the pub. Mm -hmm. And so the staff were like, we're like, what? And they're like, this place is like full on. You gotta it's, find your feet, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we walked down the hill and we were like, we found this like schnitzel pub, we would describe it in Australia. Yeah. And it had like banging schnitzel, yeah. banging like beer and banging strudel yeah. with a pool table and some like what more do you want, country right? tunes and a dude called Joe, who's the nicest guy ever. Hey, did you try Joe's bitters? No, I had, I had Joe, a, Joe makes bitters. Yeah, I had yeah. a, um, I had East Ginger beer. Um, yep, there you go. Uh, yeah, but that whole thing just ticks so many boxes. But how great to be in like an opulent hotel, because yep. it is. And then we had to walk down and do the, what's the deal behind the Guinness yep. Nitzel House? So that, what's it called? Yeah, the Walt House. The Walt House, yeah. yeah. So uh, all of our properties in the in the mountain region have, have a... A Swiss Alps style fondue restaurant. So that's our fondue and schnitzel house. Um, the Walt House was actually the original golf clubhouse. Yeah, right. And so hole number, or tee box number one was right there by yeah. the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, that's all turned around now. But uh, so yeah, on the up, uh, upper part we have uh, Swiss, German, um, you <laughs> know, dinner, okay. yeah, dinner fondue. And then downstairs a little bit more pub, obviously pub atmosphere as you saw. Big Steins and Das Boot ah, and so Schnitzel and yeah. So this hotel's really a global eatery. Like exactly. there's so much yep. going on in this one hotel. We can't forget about the beautiful town town because I walked down there today. And town's incredible. It'll be all about the economic development behind yep. that. But there's something about this chateau or the castle on the hill that just draws you in. Yeah. Um, you're very much open to the public. Yeah, very much Big so. Big thing for you guys. Absolutely. I saw that. There wasn't that kind of stoic. Um, you know, security guard at the front. No, not everybody right. at the front is super inviting and it starts there, right? Mm -hmm. And it just seeps through the whole hotel. So what do you think for you, because you've been in the hot seat for over a year or so? Uh, no, not just coming up, nine, nine months now. Yeah, right. you've yeah. done a lot already. Yeah, yeah, Where lots do you, And you strike me as someone that's going to continue to grow. Yeah, we're not going to stop. Into this. Um, what is the, what does the future look like for Bam Springs? I, I think it's going back to those two things, just people and food. We're going to continue to focus and develop our, our, our new, you know, our new colleagues and, and our new talent. And we're, we're just going to continue to stay up on food. And the beautiful part about this is, you know, you do the Italian menu and now you got to go back and do the French brasserie menu. So there's You're not getting bored. No, there's always, <laughs> and that's why I said the sandbox, there's always something to do. That's great. I think our biggest opportunity is just continuing to challenge status quo, right? Um, things have been done for a long time in this property because it's 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. So looking at things objectively and, and instead of you know ruling out, well, we're in the Rockies, it's hard to get this product. Well, no, find a way to get the product. For the people 60,000 right? years they've been doing that. So like native exactly. ingredients and sustainability, super mm -hmm. important yep. things, um, I think, for anyone in hospitality or tourism to grow into the future. We just saw how fragile it can be. Exactly. So to, to be sustainable, um, that comes from like, people through to the food and to also pay homage to the indigenous cultures before two things that obviously mean a lot to you yep yeah couldn't agree more yeah right well i'm going to come back and see what this menu does yeah yeah please we'd love to have you and and yeah we just you know we're i think we're all just so excited to that's that's something that resonated was uh, we left here carl and i left here after the interviews and we said everyone just loves to be there like every interaction we had whether it was yeah. the the bartender or the server yeah, or the, the you know the, the the bell desk team everyone just loves to be and here. you know what's interesting you've got this like dramatic snow-capped mountains that are about <laughs> to melt yep and turn into majestic lakes where you this is apparently off season which blows my mind because i'm here for the snow oh yeah 
and then this all melts and then you get smashed with hundreds of people. I would have thought that the snows in Australia would race to this. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. But it, in summer it's even busier, isn't it? I, I had the same perception when I when I thought about it. Oh my god, winter's going and, and December's busy. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Extremely, Christmas. Yeah. yeah, everyone it, it's full. Yeah. Um, but I but I thought the same. All winter it's banff. It's in the mountains. You're you're gonna be crazy busy. And summer's crazy. Okay? We'll do like ten to twelve thousand F and B covers. On wow. the weekend in the summer. So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's. God, you've got energy, man. Yeah. Now, I always finish my podcast and I did because you got energy, I didn't tell you. <laughs> Perfect. Um, who Hope, and hopefully, where, I don't have to sing, right? Who? No, yeah. no, no I could do that. Yeah. Who and where in the world inspires you? It can be a person and place or both. Jeez. Like a place, like where's somewhere that really resonates with you? So, I would say, you know, from, from a person standpoint, from a chef standpoint, um, I think Renee Ritzepi. I think for me personally, what he's done for cooks, our industry, um, is is earth-shattering. You know, I think how objectively they've looked at food and picked it apart and been able to do that. Uh, You know, I I fortunately got to spend a day in the kitchen at Noma when we were there having, yeah, it was, you know, hands down one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my career. But I just think about, for me personally, how impactful, um, and and maybe not just the man, but just the philosophy that he's embarked and passed down to the brigade that's come behind him and the people, and you, you see his cooks out there in the world today that trained at Noma, that are doing incredible things all across the globe. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that as a single person, is inspiring to me. And Tokyo. I was not expecting that. I was definitely expecting a very, very cold, like, a, you know, Antarctic vibe or something from you. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. I, I, yeah, I could say that. But Tokyo, yeah. Right. Just, I find Tokyo. Incredible. Did you see it from the sky by any chance? Because I just found it so full on. There's something like two million people go through the station a day. Yeah, when we were flying out, I mean, saw it. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, so I needed to. I didn't have perspective because it just felt like it was just incredible. What did you love about we it? We landed. So we landed late in Tokyo and we ended up having to wait like an hour to catch a train and I think we got to our station in Tokyo probably close to midnight maybe maybe half past and this train station was packed yeah. and I just at, at that moment I was like here we go right it's like it's overstimulation yeah. and and we spent the next seven days on foot <clears throat> touring around taking yeah. the transit um, but from a from a respect and cultural standpoint, there's just there's just it's precision. It's incredible. It's, it's every it's, everything that's they're done. They're super kind. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super open, and but they're, they're so precise yeah, it, in it, everything they do. Yeah, not yeah, not like, <laughs> not just food, right? I mean, there's no garbage on the ground. That's there's right. there's yeah. there's respect on the on the sidewalk. I mean, just it, it blew my mind. Yeah, right. And then the food. Answer. Was 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 even more my. Well, uh, something that you would really relate to when we were skiing down in Hakaba, and I love that you go. Firstly, you have an onsen for your body, mm-hmm. and then you go up the top, and you're not eating crap. Like every mountain I've ever been to is just shit food. Yeah, like, it's just the, it shouldn't be, but it is. 
in, in, in Japan, it's like, you know, udon and like yep. soba noodles and like have, a, uh, have whatever you want that makes your body feel good to go out and ski all day. It's incredible. I mean, even <laughs> we, we took the bullet train from Miso, Tokyo to edamame. exactly yeah. took the bullet train from Tokyo to uh, Osaka. Yeah. And oh yeah, what they're serving on the trains is crazy. And and well, you could go and just get all these you know bentos. <laughs> we learned a lot from that. It was incredible. I know. I, know, I ate incredible it. sushi while I was on the yeah. bullet train, going hundreds of miles. I'm pretty an sure hour. it's in the vending machine. I know that would be yeah, out there, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah. It's no. So um. I'm eating tonight at the wonderful Italian restaurant. Yeah, Costello. Yeah. What would you, what would you, what's your dish that you love then? Uh, that's, that's a, I mean, you ask all these loaded questions, like yeah. I'm going to be able to just give yeah, you one so dish. Loaded, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, you're a smart man. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the popete, the, the, the meatballs are incredible. Oh yeah, great. Um, the tuna, the tuna crudo is excellent. Oh, it, it's got some beautiful little touches on there. And from a, from a larger dish, uh, I love the, uh, Gnocchi bolognese. Oh, and, those sounds good. That's yeah. exactly me. And the lamb mafaldi. Uh, those would be two that I would oh, man, that's meaty push you towards. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's there's, fi there's fish the there as well. There. But you get the tuna, it's not as meaty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Atticus, it's been an absolute pleasure Thank getting you, to yeah. know you. You as well. And you, I, you're not going anywhere, my friend. Nope, this not for a long time. It feels like it's your home. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. Adios. Thank you.